Good morning. Good to see everybody. Uh, we're continuing our series in the in the promises of God, and uh, we've been looking at different key promises that we've seen in the Word of God that we can hold on to. That when when life doesn't seem to be going our way, or when life is hard, we can turn to God's Word and see that God is faithful. That God is going to help us through our struggles. How many of you you ever been lied to? Someone 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 made a promise. To you and and they broke that promise and uh, they didn't maybe maybe they didn't follow through with something that they said that they were going to do. All of us have been there. Even, even some of us here have have made promises and and we didn't follow through with it. And obviously guilt and shame can can follow all those things. We we've we've made promises. Promises were made to us that that on either side of the coin we've broken or someone has broken to us. And um, let's be honest. It hurts when someone breaks their promise. It, it, it hurts when someone may lie to us. It, 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 that hurts. And, and uh, I don't know, back, I'm not that old, I'm 47, but back in the day, even I can remember this when I was younger, a lot of times uh, when you shook someone's hand, that meant that you promised to do what you said you were going to do. How many remember that day where you could shake somebody's hand? Remember that? And it, that's why I love uh, the American Pickers show. I, I love that show. If any of you never caught that, you need to watch it because they, they look for rusty gold. And what they do is there's these two guys from Iowa that travel around the country and they're pickers. They go and they, they look for like barns and, and, and junkyards and they'll go into this and, and they know what they're looking for because they know they can resell it again. And it just amazes me the junk the value that they see in junk, like one of the pickers loves really old bicycles and he'll see this rusted bicycle from 1900 and he'll pay $850 for it, knowing that he's going to get a lot for it. And if I would see laying in the grass, I would leave it laying in the grass, right? And But what's interesting about the show is that when they're making the deals, they always shake hands after the deal. They say 30 bucks. Okay. They always make sure they, that that's their word. That they're gonna that that the deal is sealed when you shake somebody's hand. Now, now, how do you know we live in a day and age where it's not? Can you imagine buying a home or a car and you get a loan and you say, "Okay, just shake my hand. I'm good for it." Is that gonna work? They're gonna think you're crazy. No way. You. We live in a day and age where we have to sign contracts. The reason why we sign a lease. The reason why our names are signed on the dotted line is because your word isn't enough. How dare they, right? How dare they say that my word is enough? But that's why we have to sign. We need written agreements. If you don't follow through, guess what? You're in big trouble. And that's for this reason that people can easily get taken advantage of. And so the bottom line is we just can't trust our words. But this isn't so with God. God is a promise keeper. He, 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 is, he is good for his word and he will vindicate himself through his promises. And that's why I think it's so important that we study the promises of God because God is true to his word and you can trust him and he's not going to break the promise that he's promised to us for those that have put their hope in Christ Jesus. That needs to be the, the bedrock of our foundation in our lives in Christ Jesus that God isn't going to lie to you. That God isn't going to let you down. Yeah, people may let you down. People may not be true to the words. Other Christians are going to let 
you down. Amen? We're, we're going to do it. I mean, we're, we're, your, your spouse, at times, he or she is going to let you down, right? You're careful on the amen there. I knew you were. I knew I was going to get anything in there, especially if you're sitting with your spouse. Listen, you know, th- that's, you know so faithfulness is, is, is such an important characteristic of God. Faithfulness is such a great quality of God. And that's what I want to look at today is the faithfulness of God. We need to be reminded that God is faithful to his word. He's going to be true to his covenant promises that he makes to us. And see, that's the reason why I like dogs better than cats. Because dogs are just faithful, right? Dogs, you can come home. The first, when I come home, the first person to greet me is my dog, Mopsy. Kathleen doesn't come running to the door and greet me. And, right? Uh, Mopsy is the first one there and says hi to me. And, and I pet her. And she's so excited to see me. You can be mad at the dog. And how many know two seconds later, they're going to come right back. And they're just faithful. They're, they're just faithful. And, and they're always going to be there for you. Cats just don't do that. So anyways, uh, why dogs go to heavens and cats don't. Anyways, now I'm just teasing, teasing for all you weird cat lovers out there. Okay, so listen, we have been looking at these these promises, these thousands of promises in the Word of God, and we've been kind of looking at some key promises that I believe can be a bedrock for your life in Christ. I love what Pastor James McDonald says about the promises of God. He says, a promise is an assurance that God gives to his people so that they can walk by faith while they wait for him to work, while they wait for God to do his work. These promises are given to us as strength and security, knowing that God is going to work, maybe not on our timetable, but definitely on God's. And he is working. He's working behind the scenes. We may not know what's going on behind the scenes, but God is working, and these promises are given to you and I so that we can see the faithfulness of God, that we can look back and say, wow, God, you are true to your word. And what it will do is it will increase your faith in God. It will show you that God is a good God, that God will get the glory in every situation, that it will deepen your faith in him. And how do you know that, that the only way your faith is truly going to grow is when you go through trials? When you go through the difficulties of life, when life doesn't make sense, that's when the promises make the most sense when life makes no sense. Does that make any sense? Okay, just, just checking with you guys. Just make sure you guys are awake here at the 830, 830 group here. So God's promises are there to comfort and strengthen us when life seems to make no sense, when we feel like giving up, when life just simply stinks at times, we have something to turn to that never changes. The promises of God are to show us that God is true to his word. They're not, they're not some good luck charm that we quote to get God to do our bidding. The promises are given to us so that we may trust God and become obedient to him even during the trials of life. So when we look at the promises of God, we can say, God, you're faithful. Even though things aren't going the way I feel they should go at this time, I know you're faithful. And the promises are given to us to trust God and become more obedient to him. That we may, come, we may become the children of God that he desires for us. So, so we're going to look at the faithfulness of God. And here's, here's the scripture that we're going to kind of 
uh, springboard off today. It's in Joshua chapter 21, verse 45. And, and what I want to look at today is, is uh, I want to look at some Old Testament saints that trusted the word of God and the promises of God, even when they didn't see it before them, even when they didn't see it come to fruition before them, they trusted the promises of God. And, and so I want to look at, at some Old Testament saints that had to trust God when it really made no sense. How many know it's hard to trust when it just doesn't make sense, right? When you have to just, ever somebody just say to you, just trust me. And you're like, I don't know about this. I don't know if this is. I don't know. I don't know if this is. If this is going to work out. But Kathleen had her birthday last week. We went away for a night, and we left on Wednesday during the worst part of the storm. So I, we have a, a we have a 2003 Subaru. I said, "Honey, we'll take the Subaru. It's all-wheel drive. We'll be fine." She goes, "Honey, it really looks bad." I go, "Honey, trust me. You know what I'm doing." We get on Route 21 going south, couldn't see anything. In fact, it was snowing so hard, the plows were on. There's like four or five inches on Route 21. Trucks are coming. There's like, you can't. And so I had actually put my polarized fishing sunglasses on to actually see anything because it was just blinding and it kind of took the glare out. So here's this crazy guy in a white, a white Subaru. <laughs> Trust me, honey. It's all going to work out. I go, we'll get there, honey. Don't. And we're, she goes, are you sure? And we're driving along and we're going like five miles an hour down. And in the super, 18 wheelers are coming this way. We get on the throughway. Didn't get any better, by the way. We didn't see a snowplow. Glad we pay our taxes. Didn't see a snowplow till we got to Geneva, which was like a four hour trip later since we left her. But we got to where we're going. Kathleen didn't trust me, but I did not get you here, honey. Now, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what was I thinking? This was the worst idea ever that I ever came up with. But we got there. We took our time, and my old Subaru got us there. Love Subarus, me and all the old women that drive Subarus with me. Okay, so um, listen, listen to this verse in Joshua 21, verse 45. I love this, and we're going to springboard off this. It says, it says, not one word... Of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Now, we're going to unpack what this, what this means. Because here's what I want you to remember. Before we jump in and dive into this verse, I want you to remember this. Just if you're taking notes, write this down. We may fail, but he never fails us. We may fail at times. Just you, You've got to let yourself know that because what happens is the reason why you get discouraged in your Christian walk is you're trying to do it on your own. And what you end up doing is when you fail, you feel like giving up because you feel like you let God down. But I want you to remember, God is faithful to his promises. And so even though we may fail God at times, God never fails us. He will always be faithful to his word even when we mess up. Amen. Boy, I hope that makes you feel better. Because, you know, here's what happens. If your walk with God is a works righteousness type of walk with God, you'll be a failure all the time. And some of you here, the way you work your relationship without, out with God is that works righteousness. As long as I do good works and I'm a, I'm a good boy and a good girl Christian and do all these right things for God, then everything's going great. You manage your Christian walk with God. And the minute you fail, 
you just keep kicking yourself and how could I do that? And, and, and you keep beating yourself up and you're not walking by grace. You're not walking through the promises of God. It's a relationship that you built with God that you're, you're trying to do it in your own strength and your own power and you will fail miserably. Over and over, we're going to fail God. We just are. And so the promises of God show us that God will never fail even though we may fail him. So if we know, listen, if we know that God is faithful and never let us down, the question then is, how do we walk by faith and how do we remain confident and not lose hope even in hopeless or what seems to be hopeless situations? The answer is this, God keeps his promises and God will remain to be faithful even when we are not faithful at at times. And so that's why I want to give you the background of this verse, because this verse is going to make much more sense to you when I give you the background. And so here, let me give you the background of, of this verse. Joshua is the one that led the Israelites out of their 40 years in the desert. Moses wasn't allowed to go. Um, he handed the torch off to Joshua. And Joshua, what he did was he led the Israelites into the promised land that God promised hundreds of years before that he would do for Israel, that he would give them a land, an inheritance that would grow their nation, that from out of that nation would come two people, Mary and Joseph, who would eventually give birth to the Messiah of the world. And so here's the promise that God gives hundreds of years earlier to Abraham, that I'm going to give you this promised land. So what Joshua is doing here in this verse He is looking back over those hundred years to the promise that God originally gave Abraham that I would create a great nation out of Abraham and Sarah and out of this nation would rise and out of this nation would come the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Redeemer and the Savior of the world. And so what, what Israel is doing is they're settling the promised land. Uh, They're at rest at this point, but it wasn't without problems. Israel, for 40 years, when they were in the desert, they were there for 40 years because they were just plain disobedient to God. They complained. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They didn't trust God. They murmured against Moses and his leadership style and that they would eventually turn from God again, even as they entered the promised land into into Canaan, but, but God was still faithful to that promise that he originally made to Abraham. And so Joshua, being the leader at this time and, 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 and defeating the enemy before them in the promised land and then dis- distributing that land to the 12 tribes of Israel, he, he's beginning to think back, okay, listen how faithful God was over these years. It was not without issues and it wasn't without problems. Because Israel was disobedient in so many ways. They just didn't leave Egypt from that captivity. And Moses just didn't take seven days and let's march right into the promised land that God gave them. It was 40 years of turmoil and struggle and learning and obedience and learning to trust God when there seemed to be no water and seemed to be no food. They had to trust God through this desert experience if they were going to truly know God in the promised land. And so what was the promise fulfilled? Well, we need to go back hundreds of years to Abraham when God made this covenant with Abraham. Abraham uh, came from the land of the Chaldeans. 
He was about 75 years old when God called him to leave his land, to leave his homeland with his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and to go into this land that God was going to promise them. Now, what God did for Abraham was this. He said, listen, Abraham, I want you to leave everything and follow me by faith. I want you to leave everything and just follow me because out of you, I want to make a great nation that from out of this great nation will come this Messiah who will eventually be the redeemer of the world. And so Abraham leaves everything to follow God's voice and to go to this land that he doesn't even know, to be a nomad, to not even have a house, to, to, to live in a tent, to trust God when he says, hey, pick your tent up and leave. He would do that. that that's a lot of faith, isn't it? And so he listened to the word of God. And what God promised Abraham is that when he left his land at 75, that he would make a great nation. Now, there's one big problem here. Abraham and Sarah don't have any kids. Abraham's 75 years old, and they have no kids. And God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And out of you is going to come uh, this generation that, that, that will be like the sands on the seashore. And Abraham's like, wait a minute. My wife, we have no kids. And so here God promises that he's going to give them a son. That promise was not fulfilled for 25 years. At the age of 100, and and Sarah's probably 91 at the time, did they give birth to the promised son, Isaac. And listen, Even in that 25 years of waiting, they didn't necessarily trust God either because during that 25 years, um, uh, eventually they, they, they kind of got impatient and they had Hagar, the servant girl give birth to a son and many times if, if the wife couldn't do it in order to carry on the, the inheritance of the name of the family they would do that and ishmael was born out of out of that relationship but that was out of the will of god because they didn't trust god so even even as god said yeah i'm going to be faithful but they had to wait on this promise and they were thinking you know sarah laughed when 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 this promise was relayed to her that that she would deliver a child they laughed and he says but but trust me in this promise trust me so Abraham trusted God's promises even though he didn't actually see it with his own eyes, even though it seemed impossible because of their age. God said, I'm going to do a miracle right before your very eyes. And because you trusted me by faith to leave your country, I'm going to bless you. And and I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Now, if we fast forward to the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11, we're given a glimpse of of those uh, people in the Old Testament that trusted God even though they didn't see the promise fulfilled before them. And I want to read that to you because the section in Hebrews 11, verses 11 to 13, talk about the faith of of Sarah uh, and Abraham even though they didn't see the promise fulfilled before them that God would make a great nation out of them. Let me read it to you. It says, It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so the whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. That's a good description of someone, right? You're as good as dead, Abraham. You're old. But a nation, so many people that the stars in the the sky and the sands on the seashore, there was no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. That they didn't actually see the promised land yet that God would promise them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and no man's here on the earth. 
So here, here, listen, Abraham's walking by faith, even though he didn't inherit the promise, and that wouldn't come for hundreds of years later, but the promise was that he would have to walk by faith that God would give him a son, and God eventually did. And so now Joshua, hundreds of years later, enters into this promised land that was promised to Abraham, and he enters the promised land with these descendants of Abraham, and now what Joshua could do is look back and see how God was faithful to his promise to Abraham. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Sarah and Abraham believed God and walked by faith, even though they didn't see it come to pass. Did they blow it at times? Yes, they did. And we talked about this. Abraham and Sarah pushed ahead and didn't wait for God and, and had Hagar, the servant, give birth out of God's plan. They grew impatient. We are no different. So, so we, and the reason for this is the reason why I love that the Bible doesn't whitewash the mistakes of, of those Old Testament saints or anyone that we see in the Bible. The reason why I like that the Bible does that is because it becomes very relational to me because I make so many mistakes too. I realized that Abraham and Sarah uh, at times didn't trust God and pushed ahead of God and were impatient at times, just like you and I are impatient at times. And see, what fights against the promises of God is simply this. It's our patience. It's that waiting. How many of you love to wait? We don't love to wait. And what's hard for many of us is when we see God's promises, the hardest thing for you and I to do is just to wait on God and allow him to do what he needs to do in our lives. How many of you were always looking for the answer and not necessarily, God, what are you trying to show me even within the midst of this trial? I know for me, many times when I pray, I just want the answer. I want to be delivered. I want this trial to be over with. And God says, wait a minute. I'm taking you through this trial for a reason. Why don't you ask me, what do you want me to do in your heart while you're waiting? Because it's in the waiting that God does the greatest work. Okay. So here it is. The patience is the hardest thing. And here's the reason why. We live in a fast-paced society. Everything from instant credit to instant oatmeal, right? Fast food, high-speed internet. Remember the day when the internet was dial-up? Do you remember sitting behind your computer screen when it was dial-up? I think I've got a connection now. Okay, we're on. We're on the internet now. Let's go to the weather channel and see what the weather's going to look like. 15 minutes later, you're seeing it down. It would go by section. It would go a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Remember that? Okay, the kids are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor. Look, and then it would come on. You're like, oh, there it is. And then you go on another screen. You're like, Dad, you have to wait another five, right? Remember that? It, it's, it's, we live, in, and that fights against this very character of God of waiting on him. Because we want things done yesterday. We get news instantaneously. By the time uh, the newspaper comes, it's old news. We've already gotten it. It's such a fast-paced society. But what is said about Sarah and Abraham is that they held on to their faith even unto death. They didn't give up that God would be faithful to his promise, even using imperfect people to fulfill his promises. 
And that's what he does for you and I. He uses imperfect people to fulfill what he wants to do because eventually and always God will be vindicated and God will receive the glory. So here's, here's what I want to leave you with today. How, how do we overcome discouragement while we're in the waiting time? While, while we're waiting, how do we, how do we overcome that, that, that discouragement? And, and here's, here's the thread that I want you to see from Abraham to Joshua for us today. The, the promised land for them is very symbolic of heaven. It's something that God promised them. It, it was the land of, of milk and honey. It was something that, that God was going to give them and give them rest where they would settle into this, into this wonderful uh, uh, part of the world and, and God was going to create this great nation and deliver them. The, the promised land for them was, was coming out of, out of slavery and not being under the, the bonds of, of someone else or another nation. And, 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 and Egypt wouldn't be their ruler, but, but God would, would be their, their master. God would be their owner. God uh, would be their God and they could rest in him and know that he was their Protector, And so I want you to remember that, that, that God is preparing something great for you and I. And this is what's going to help us to overcome our discouragement. And so we have to allow ourselves at times to realize that we are going to mess up, that we are going to lack faith, that we're going to get discouraged, that, that we're going to find ourselves sometimes in the pit of despair. But here's what's going to help us to overcome those things. And I want you to listen to the words that are, are written to discouraged Christians who wanted to give up. And the whole book of Hebrews is about that. It's written to Christians who are undergoing persecution, who, who want to give up, who, who, who are discouraged because of, of, of what they're going through in their life. And I want you to listen to some of these words, these encouraging words that the Hebrew writer writes to these discouraging, discouraged Christians that, that can help us in, in our time of need. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says, says this. And, and if you're taking notes, write these down because... Once again, I want you to, you may not be going through something today, you may be going through something today, but I want you to look back over these scriptures so that it will encourage you later in your life when you do go through something, because then you're going you're gonna to recall maybe a week or a month from now, and you're going to go through a difficult time, you're going to say, man, I remember pastor spoke on something. Oh yeah, the promises of God. And I want you to take your notes out of your Bible and say, oh yeah, there were some great scriptures that he gave us. To, to help us during discouraging times. So I want you to write these down. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says this. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now. Oh, this is such a good word. This is a good word. So that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Okay, follow me here. Ready? He says, what you need now is patient endurance. Well, pastor, I don't want patient endurance. I just want it answered now. I want it to all be nice, nice, right? But what he's saying is, what you need now through your trial is patient endurance so that you may continue to do God's will and not give up. And he said, the next part of this is you will receive all that he has promised. Now, what is he's promised? Well, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who have had their sins forgiven, who have been redeemed by his blood, the promise for us is the gift of eternal life. 
So what he's saying is, listen, what's going to be promised for those, for those that you endure who have put your faith and your trust in Christ Jesus is this promised land, even though you don't see it now, even though you're discouraged now, be patient. Wait on me. I know probably one of the regrets I'm going to have when I get to heaven, because it's going to be so beautiful and so wonderful, is I know that I'm going to look back over my life and say, why wasn't I more patient? Why did I worry about such foolish things that sucked up my time and sucked up my emotions and kept me away from really knowing you, God? Do you ever think about that? Have you ever worried about something and then once it comes to pass, it wasn't that big of a deal? And you're like, why did I spend so much time fretting and worrying over that when I could have been trusting the Lord and he could have been doing something greater in my life. We've all been there at times. And this is the encouragement that the Hebrew writer gives to these Christians. Trust the Lord. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. Remember that your reward, it it waits for you. I love the, the encouraging words that Jesus gives to his disciples before he goes to the cross in John 14, 1 through 3. He says this to his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. So there's more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come to get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. In my father's house are plenty of rooms dwelling Places. Yeah, it's going to get ugly pretty soon. Yeah, I'm going to go to the cross. Yeah, I'm going to give my life for you. But just completely trust me. All the disciples, even though they were with Christ, they understood this. They still abandoned Jesus. And then Jesus came back for 40 days before his ascension and reiterated everything he taught them so he could encourage them to go out in the world to remember that, listen, heaven awaits you, but you're going to have to endure through this world at times. That you're going to go through struggles at times. But don't put your trust in the world. Put your hope and put your trust in me. And I love what, at the end of of the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it, it gives like 16 people in the Old Testament who trusted God even though they didn't see the promise fulfilled. And they walked by faith even though their lives were difficult, even though they maybe even had to give their life. Maybe even when they didn't see things working out their way, they still put their hope and their faith in God, even when things didn't go their way. And, and I love what the Hebrew writer says at the end of that chapter is he's looking back over all these 16 people that he talked about who, who endured, who trusted God by faith, even though they didn't see the promise fulfilled right before their very eyes. Listen to what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews eleven thirty nine through 40. He says, these were all commended for their faith. He talks about Abraham talks about Moses. These these were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. See, these Old Testament saints maybe didn't understand about Jesus, that he was going to come and redeem mankind. Now, us looking back, we understand that. But for them looking forward, they didn't see it. But they trusted God that he would bring a redeemer and a Messiah that would rescue them ultimately from their sins and lead them to the ultimate promised land, which is heaven. And see, this is the thing. God will not let you down. And the hardest thing for you and I that we'll ever do in our Christian walk 
is to be led by our circumstances and not by God. Because when you get led by your circumstances, that's going to lead you down the road of despair. But when you are led by God, you do not let your circumstances dictate what God desires to do in and through your circumstances. And so that's where the trust comes in. That God, I don't understand this. Um, It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I have no idea why we're driving in a white Subaru in a a white-out snowstorm. I have no idea why we're doing that. But trust me, I'm going to lead you through it. I'm going to lead you through it. You just got to trust me. See, we've got to understand that God will never let us down. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, and I hope this has encouraged you today. It says this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. Listen, some of you are here today, and you're thinking to yourself, man, why is my life such a mess? Is it, is it the mistakes I've made? How many of you know we all make mistakes? How many know that we all have regrets and, and we all have guilt from our past? And many of us are here today and we feel like, well, how can God still use me because I'm just damaged goods? I've made too many mistakes. God says, those are the people that I love to use. Because when we humble ourselves and we come before the Lord and we say, God, I've made so many mistakes and I have so many regrets and I lay those down and I know you can forgive me through your son, Jesus Christ. And I just want you to use me now. And God says, I'm going to remain faithful. Don't allow your past to dictate your future. Don't allow that to identify who you are. You see, for those that are in Christ Jesus, they're a new creation. And the Bible says, behold, all things become new. That's our hope. That even when we make mistakes, God is still going to be faithful. And I just want to finish with this scripture. I love this. I was, as I was studying this morning, this passage just came to my mind. And, um, and, and, and I want you to write this passage down because... Um, as I get older, I struggle with memorization. I've tried to memorize this over and over again. I keep forgetting. I think too many concussions as a kid or whatever. I don't know. I, all the, it's just hard for me to memorize Scripture now. For those of you that are older that can still memorize Scripture, God bless you. Go for it and keep doing it and lay hands on my head that my mind will clear up from all my old age. Okay, Here, Lamentations chapter 3. And, and I want you to write down verse 21 through 26. And I want to read this for you. It's not on the screen or in your notes, but this just came to me this morning. Jeremiah, what he's doing here, he's looking at the, listen, he's looking at the destruction of Jerusalem. Here, Israel has gone into the promised land. The tribes have inhabited the promised land. They're living and, 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 and they're serving God. But what began to happen is they began to serve other gods and foreign gods Uh, or they began to serve foreign gods, and foreign nations began to come in and overtake Israel because they turned their backs on God. And God used these nations to judge Israel because of their backslidden state. And Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations, this prophet, is looking at the destruction of Jerusalem, and he's like, how could this happen? I can't believe this happened. Jeremiah, their own people turned on Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet because he, he saw Jerusalem being taken over Uh, by the Babylonians and the temple destroyed and the people taken away. It was just a sad thing to see. But I want you to see something that Jeremiah does to encourage himself. And you may look at your life and you may feel like, man, there's just, I've made so many bad mistakes and, and, and regrets in my life and I see some 
the results of those things that have happened in my life. Some of you here, you're just discouraged because of health issues or job issues, whatever it is, and you're just discouraged. I want you to listen to these words. Listen to what Jeremiah says. I'm going to back up a couple of verses because um, he really is open and raw about his feelings. Verse 17, he says, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I hope for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. Oh, my soul is downcast within me. But this is what Jeremiah does. Even though he's down and he's depressed and and he sees this destruction and the spiritual vitality of Israel is gone. Verse 21, he says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Verse 24, he says, so I say to myself, it's okay to talk to yourself. I talk to myself all the time, but I'm crazy, okay? So that's okay. Verse 24, I say to myself, The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Some of you here today, God's saying, wait. Wait for my salvation. Just trust me. I know it doesn't look good. I know it it looks bleak. It doesn't look great. But he says, trust me and wait. It's good to seek me in those times. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay for things not to be hunky-dory. Okay? It's okay. So many times we just think when we come to each other and we, hey, brother, how you doing? Praise the Lord, I'm doing wonderful. No, you're not. You're doing terrible. Why don't you just say that, right? Let's just be honest. My life stinks right now, but God is still good. I still got the peace of the Lord. I don't know why it's not working out. Things aren't great. It's still five degrees outside. I'm sick of shoveling my driveway, but God is good, right? God is still good. And see, that's what God, wait for my salvation. See, The ultimate hope that we have as believers in Christ is this, is heaven. Is heaven. That's our reward. So wait and walk patiently before the Lord because Jesus never promised us that everything was going to be great here on earth. In fact, he said just the opposite, that in this world you will have trials and tribulations, but take heart. I've overcome the world, and I want to give you peace to walk through this traumatic world. And that's the peace that you can't gain by watching a TV show or reading a secular book or whatever on peace. That's the peace that can only come through Jesus Christ, that can help you walk through the trials and the turmoils of this world. And let me tell you this, your roots, when you allow God to do that in your heart and your life, 
your roots will grow that much deeper and your maturity will grow that much more in your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where God desires to take every single one of us. So Lord, as we bow our hearts before you today, Lord, I know this is not an easy message. It's a tough message for us. And Lord, I believe that there's some here today that are just discouraged that Maybe they're discouraged with their family. Maybe they're discouraged in their marriages. Maybe they're just discouraged with life in general. And God, I pray that you would just show yourself faithful. That in the waiting, you would show yourself that you are good. That God, as we humble ourselves before you and as we seek your face, just as Jeremiah did, we could recall the goodness of the Lord and know that your love and, and your compassion is there every single morning. That your faithfulness is great. That you're faithful to your word. And that you're going to be faithful to us. So I pray, Lord, that you would just encourage every single heart here today. As we just trust you. And as we lean on your promises. Lord, that we might see that you are a good God. That you are true. And that you are faithful. And that you're never going to leave us or forsake us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I want you to stand. We're going we're gonna to sing this song in closing. I love this song because it talks about God being a promise keeper and faithful to his word. Listen, if you are here this morning and um, you're just going through some stuff, um, I'm going to open up the front here, open up the altars. If you want to come up and just kneel before the Lord and just pray and just let God do a working in your heart. We're just family here. We all have our struggles. Uh, we all have needs in our life. And, and I just believe God wants to meet you. And as we sing this song, as we worship him, if that's just you here this morning, I would just invite you to come forward this morning and just pray and just, just seek, seek God's face. Do as Jeremiah says. It, God likes it. It's good for, for us to seek the Lord and to seek his face. So as we do that and as we sing this song, let's seek his face and let God speak to your heart and your soul. Amen. God bless you. Promise maker, promise keeper, you finish what you began.
That's a good song. Listen, as I let you guys go today, you know, here, here, here's the thing that I want to encourage you is, is, is through the week, just encourage yourself in God's word. Uh, that, that's the greatest thing you can ever do is, is keep turning to God's word and filling yourself with his promises um, because you never know when you're going to need it, when, when life is just going to throw something at you're not ready. And boy, when you have that firm foundation of God's word in your heart and in your mind, um, you know that, that this situation's not going to lick you, right? Because God already knows about it. It, it, it doesn't surprise him. It, it doesn't surprise him. And you'll be that much more grounded in your faith in God. You see, the, God's greatest desire for you is not necessarily to make you happy, but to make you holy. And if you can just realize that, that through holiness, there comes a sanctification process, you will allow these circumstances to come into your life because you realize that God loves you. And he's doing something far greater than, than temporary happiness could ever bring us. And that is he's making you a holy vessel that he can actually use for his glory and his purposes. And if you just remind yourself of that constantly, the circumstance of life won't seem that great anymore because you know God is using it for his glory and his purposes to make you holy. Amen? Good stuff. Go in God's grace. Love you. Any of you need prayer today, we'll be up front. Prayer partners, um, if you need any prayer today. Otherwise, go in God's grace. Have a wonderful day. Amen. Go Syracuse.